another episode of Untrue Crime, where fiction meets felonies. I'm Belle DeWing. And I'm Alexandria Parker. Today's episode includes content warnings for medical abuse, surgery, and brief mentions of suicidal ideations and transphobia. This is your fair warning that this podcast uses explicit language before someone walks in at the wrong time. As a last warning, today's episode includes medical abuse, surgery, and brief mentions of suicidal ideations and transphobia. Let's get this started, shall we? We shall! Some might hear this story and wonder why I focus so much on the beauty of the world around us when I have so many other options of settings, why it's been such a focus of this season. And I ask you, dear listener, have you looked in the mirror recently? Have you really stopped to observe beauty, whether I told you to or not? We're back in the real world, once again, with a focus on what beauty is to each and every one of us. The Stovall artists showed new beauty to create something new. Their real-life influences couldn't be ignored, but paintings will never be picture-perfect. That's part of why they're artistic. Where the Stovall artists gave us hundreds of new art, today's story is not about finding beauty in what's already there, but about the altercations that can turn one beauty into another. Welcome back to 2023, where Dr. Daffodil Sersenox has just received her court verdict. Daffodil. That's rough. Someone's I'm gonna tell you. Them. I'm gonna tell you at the end what her name means, and you are going to lose your shit. I know what a but daffodil now, is. Yeah, but it, okay. has a, it has a bit of a deeper meaning. Alright, I still don't like it, but okay. Body modification has been around longer than we can track it, and we discover new evidence by the half-decade. Often, when a person hears the phrase body modifications, they jump to the most extreme variants of body modifications, where a person is covered head-to-toe in tattoos with large gauges and as many piercings as they can get. Which is badass. It is. It is badass. I sometimes wish that there would be a documentary where these people that are, like, head-to-toe covered in art would tell us just about themselves, about their life, about their the art on them. Like a little tour. Yeah. This one means I this. Wish... This one means that. I just like that one because it's pretty. I would watch that. Probably oh, not too. for as long as it would take to get through the entire human body, but I would watch part of that. Like it could be divided into episodes. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be really cool if they had, if this like potential documentary had episodes on like indigenous cultures because they'll have such unique tattoos and symbolisms Mm -hmm. and what they mean and when in life you can get them that I think it would be really cool and very educational for people that you know don't yeah I think super involved like Inuit tattoos Polynesian tattoos they are always so cool so intricate and gorgeous and oh someone needs to sit down and just talk about tattoos for three (laughs) hours I'd listen but that is an extreme and not a very common one at that Almost every person that the modern American encounters has a body modification. I, personally, have a lobe piercing. Me too! You too! I have one for each ear, actually. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I should say I have a piercing in each ear, but I I didn't- I figured that you wouldn't just have one. Some people do, I think. Well, or maybe it's just like people just wear one earring at a time. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I don't but know. both of my ears are pierced, for the record. I he, I have story time. I, <laughs> I got my ears pierced when I was in fourth grade. I had been waiting so long to get my ears pierced. I was so excited. And that day at school, I, I cheated on a test and mm. I got caught. 
and my teacher pulled me out into the hallway and I was crying and I was like, I'm so sorry. And she was like, you know what? I think that you've learned from your mistake. It's okay. Please don't do it again. If you need help, let me know and just let it go. Didn't tell my parents. And I was like, what? And so instead I felt guilty because I didn't get a punishment. And I went home and I was like, oh my God. Because I was like, should I tell my parents? And then they were like, guess what? Today you're getting your ears pierced. Oh my God. After. I'll tell them after. And I don't think I told them for like years, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a big deal. It was like a little pop quiz in fourth grade on like the first week of school to see what you already knew. But like, that's, that's when I got my ears pierced. I was a really bad kid to have her ears pierced because I have so many sensory issues, but I also have really sensitive skin. And this applies to every every little follicle that I have. And when I had my ears pierced, I could uh, I'm allergic to a lot of the metals. So Same. it had to be a genuine metal or something hypoallergenic. But it would irritate me about halfway through the day. So I would take off these gold-plated earrings and then lose them. Yep. So my mom did not let me wear earrings anymore. Well, she didn't not let me, but I ran out of earrings. Yeah, I also have... I had, actually. It's it's a lot better now. But I had very sensitive ears where even the hypoallergenic ones didn't work for me. I had to like have like 10 karat gold or above, which is the most pretentious thing ever. But it was actually just because of my No, skin. I get it. And hypoallergenic things when I was a kid, not super common. It was, mm-hmm. you have to wear gold. Yeah. You, you can't go to a, a, any store and find something that's labeled with hypoallergenic. No, it's, it's gold. You're going to have to wear gold. Yeah. Or gold-plated. I always got gold-plated. Like, the actual metal wasn't Crack gold. the wallet. Crack the wallet? Yeah, because gold is expensive. Oh, I thought it was crack the wall it. <laughs> no. And I was like, um, all right. Most of my friends have one or two tattoos, and even more of them have two or three piercings. It's completely normalized in our society to have a few body modifications, and the more that we progress into it, the more people are able to modify their bodies without societal repercussions. Even plastic surgery, which was previously considered to be one of the most extreme methods of modifying one's body, has been normalized to an extent. Lip injections, butt injections, facelifts, liposuction, nose jobs, boob jobs, all things that have become more normalized than we sometimes believe them to be. Plastic surgery, whilst it is a privilege to be able to do, is shifting from its stigmas as people become more open with their experiences. Particularly celebrities, I might add. Here's where I get political, everyone. Not too political. (laughs) Yeah, we, we said not too much politics on our podcast. Sprinklings. Yeah. The beauty standard is a societal concept drenched in white supremacy, sexism, and all-around bigotry that continues to plague humans in the real world, as well as this fictional one. People adhere to a beauty standard more strongly than they adhere to societal rules, despite the fact that it is ever-changing and filled to the brims with fads and falsities. Regardless, to many people, it rules their lives. Some build careers off of the beauty standards, whilst others ruin their lives over those same standards. Everything is affected by it, from newborns to drawings to money to death. 
However, we live with it, so unless one takes the time to think really deeply about how the system works, we simply go about our days, considering it as simply as we consider the weather. Some more than others, just like all things. But in the case of Daffodil Sursnox, it appeared muddled. Many couldn't tell if she cared for it all too much or not at all. Question. Is this yeah. in- this is not in our world? This is in the modern world, but it is- I may- I need to make a clear distinction in this episode that this is not about any medical practitioner, nor is it shading any practitioner. This is completely fiction. As okay, so it, do, it does put, take podcast. place in quote-unquote our world. The real world, yes, but it's okay, not. It. Let's all be very clear. And this this story is not based off of any one person or anything, and that is a <laughs> genuine fact. So, we do try to avoid basing anything off of real fact that we come across. Yeah, that's not what we're about. It's too, it would make it too too true crimey. Yeah, that's... That's not I mean, obviously, murder is real, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. My guess is there's probably cases out there vaguely similar to the ones that we write about that we just don't know about because we cannot be aware of every crime. No, we cannot. Ultimately, they are not based in real life. Omnipresent. Fortunately. Well, fortunately, actually. Yeah, fortunately, yeah. (laughs) I don't need to know what a lot of people are thinking. Uh, I will also state... Neither of us do very much research into the niceties of the legal system, so if some of those seem off, that's that's okay. Remember, I actually I did a lot of research into the legal system in New Jersey for the Angus Keeler case, so that I could try to figure out. I was like, could he pay his bail? Like, what would he be charged (laughs) with in the state of New Jersey? In fact, I originally had the jail that he went to in mind because I researched which county he was in, but then I was like, maybe I shouldn't drop the name. So he went to some jail. Who knows what jail he was murdered in? Shrug. But oopsies. Ultimately, though, I do, most of my cases are not set in the real world, but the ones that are, I, I sometimes I research the legal system. Sometimes I just say, "Who's found guilty?" <laughs> sometimes, That's sometimes simpler. I look a few things up, but then it's just very much like he said this, she said that. Figure out the rest on your own. It's very complicated. I'm not a lawyer. I do have a friend who's a lawyer, but she's not in criminal law. That is so tragic. We do need someone she's, that's in criminal law to come. O- yeah, she's in like podcast. family law. So ah, uh, okay. Well, we'll need to make a divorce case then. I think. I think a custody battle. Yeah. Oh my god! Ha! <laughs> because family law. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> From the moment that she was born in 1985, Daffodil Sursanox had been pretty. Sure, quiet, intelligent, playful, intuitive, but she's a woman, and she's a pretty woman at that, so all of her other traits were easily overshadowed to the public. She remarks that most of her earliest memories were those of getting compliments. Daffodil's older sister, Heather, claims that she'd never seen a Christmas in which Daffodil did not receive clothing of some sort, typically dresses. Okay, I I like the naming theme with the flowers here. I still think that there's a lot of names you could have chosen besides Daffodil. You could have chosen... No, there was actually Rose, no names I could have chosen Lily. except for Daffodil. Okay, yes, you know the reason, but I don't yet. So I think I'm they gonna, I'll tell you at the end. Name. Okay. 
She would throw them on to show her family members, who would ooh and ah at her as though she were the prize pony at the show. I've never been to a pony show, so I do not know if this is accurate. I have been to a rodeo. But you don't ooh and ah at a rodeo. Think. At least that's what I do when I've seen clips of rodeos online. I'm like, oh, they're kind of fun. Like, they're kind of a good time. Like, there's. Oh no, they're scary, but only if you're like in the ring. I feel bad for the cow. I I feel bad for the bulls too. But it's not just that. There's like a lot of horse work. I got to watch someone do like acrobatics on a horse. Oh no, that's cool. That was so cool. I would like to state for the record. Rodeos, I don't love how they treat cows, but bullfighting should be illegal. I agree. Thank you. That's, that's a whole different rodeo. And, <laughs> that, and like running with the bulls, that shit should be banned. This animal abuse. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on much more because that leans into a cultural aspect of it in which I should not be commenting on. No, but I think it's animal abuse. I agree with you. Yeah, I did a whole research paper on it once. That's excellent. It was literally the worst research paper I had ever written. It is mentally scarring. Some of the images I saw have not left my brain. That That's awful. It was. You okay, go let's to go back rodeo. to you. They were fun. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to the case. I don't want to think about it anymore. Daffodil was often literally dolled up, taken pictures of, and finally let go to do her own thing. She was asked out frequently, but turned them down just as much. It did not stop people from trying. Heather claims to have been neglected as a child, but especially when her sister was present, as she was further ignored and pushed aside. Mm. To this- Are you humming at me? Or just- Just story. No, I wasn't trying to get your attention or anything. I was just- Mm. (laughs) Okay. To this day, she admits to holding resentment over her sister, despite the fact that she also recognizes that it was not her fault. She quotes that Mm. she had felt detached from her family for so, are you humming at me? Or (laughs) (laughs) It was just, there was a long pause and I thought it was funny to put a hmm in there. (laughs) She quotes that she had felt detached from her family for so long that she couldn't possibly be a character witness for her baby sister when charges were brought up against her in late November of 2023. Ooh, I am surprised. I thought Daffodil was going to be the one who, uh, some shit, actually, at first. <laughs> but you have tricked My me, turn I to, see. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't do the tone right of the hmm, but we're gonna all pretend. Mm. <laughs> My sad hmm. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to memorize the, t- the turn, the, like, tones of it. Hmm. 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 I do a lo- actually come to think of it, I hum like to express my emotions often. It's like, hmm. I typically understand it because mm. you have a really wide range, but sometimes when you just go, hmm, I'm I'm very confused. Sometimes that the hmm means I'm confused. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Daffodil didn't talk about her earlier life very often, even to her close friends, who were much more accurate character witnesses on her trial. She seemed popular in her youth as she had won prom queen her senior year of high school, as well as Heather's depictions of her childhood. 
It was unclear if she was terribly vain at the time, as being four years older than Daffodil, Heather was already out of the house. Daffodil graduated high school at 17, began college the same year, and four years later pursued an osteopathic medicine school where many of her character witnesses had met her. She had allegedly said that she wanted to be a plastic surgeon since high school, that she found it more interesting than general surgery with less life-or-death scenarios. When asked about why she went into plastic surgery by the court, she quoted, <coughs> Shouldn't do that. She's a little bit more of a lady than I am. I found that plastic surgery was a unique form of medicine, the most engaging for me to practice. Patients are excited to work with me rather than reasonably upset at their own illness. It changes and saves lives in a way that other medicine doesn't do. I was particularly intrigued by the positive impact of cosmetic surgery due to growing up as someone that was stereotypically beautiful. I want other people to have that joy, and as per my patients' testimonies, I have never failed at my job. By this point, you're probably wondering what's wrong with this woman. She's pretty, put together, beautiful, well-spoken, calm, and of course, attractive. Like many in her life, listeners would be shocked to learn that this woman was on trial for the murder and purposeful maiming of Whitney Sakirny, who died on her table. I am shocked to hear that. I totally thought that since she was pretty, someone was going to, like, kidnap her. That was my guess, because, nope. you know, sometimes you get kidnapped for being a woman, mostly. Yeah. Or a child. You just get kidnapped. But, you know, people want or to indigenous. kidnap pretty people more often. Indigenous people have a really high rate of being human trafficked and kidnapped. And it's honestly one of the most disturbing parts of our current society that that's just a widely accepted fact. Yeah. One of the nurses that had scrubbed in with her claimed that it had not been a mistake and reported her for purposefully killing her. He was brought to the stand multiple times during her trial, but maintained his stance. He had seen her operating how cool and collected she typically was, and this was a targeted attack. This was no mistake. This was a murder. Addiction comes in many forms. Whitney Security was addicted to the thought of being pretty. Though never being able to feel truly beautiful, it was always something that appeared to be just inches away from her, always just past her manicured fingertips. She could find impurities in anything about herself in ways that she considered to be catastrophic. Born in 2003, making her 20 at her time of death, Whitney was very active on social media. She wanted to be an influencer and was mildly successful at it, gathering about 50,000 followers on a video sharing platform. She was a slice-of-life vlogger who took her followers through her day-to-day -day and gave them sisterly advice through the process. She was open about being self-conscious on this page, as well as sharing some of her experiences. As this is on the internet, with the poster being deceased, there is no way to tell if this is true without consulting someone that knew Whitney in her youth, but these minor details were not covered in the court case. It is up to the viewer to believe Whitney. The following should be taken with grains of salt necessary, as we cannot confirm or deny her words. In her videos, Whitney says that she was bullied throughout childhood, particularly by a boy that enjoyed sabotaging her love life. She says that one of his strategies was getting different boys to ask her out as a joke, and that the older they got, the more extreme his methods became. That's so mean. It is. It's cruel. In middle school, he teased her for trying to get boys to sleep with her by showing off her breasts and tight shirts. That's slut-shaming! Yes, he is slut-shaming. And it's middle school, so you know she was just growing into her body. Exactly. She just had a body now. Yeah. In high school, he would make fun of anyone that was suspected of liking her, and boys did not come near her for this reason. She continues by saying that no matter what he did, he'd always call her gross, ugly, or make various comments on her physical appearance. 
When asked why she didn't confront nor report him, Whitney responded that in her small town, there was no way that she'd be able to get away with it. Word traveled fast, and no matter who she reported it to, she was certain it would get back to him. That sucks. Yeah, doesn't it? Hey, remember last episode when we said, if a boy is mean to you, it doesn't mean he likes you? That is just a refresher. If a boy is mean to you, he's mean to you, and it will only get worse if you date him. Amen. She claims to have started a fast food job at 16 to save up for cosmetic surgery. This is true as her employment records are easily tracked down, as well as her first surgery in 2021, a nose job. She began vlogging her process of getting the nose job, which included her consultation with Dr. Sersenox. This video was not used as evidence as it was not pertinent to the murder charges, but it is a relevant piece of information against a moral crime that Dr. Sersenox is believed to commit. In the edited video, she advises the nose shape for her. At Whitney's questioning, she also advised other surgeries. It is important to note that she had a mask on, but when asked, responded that COVID was still rampant. She felt that with her job, it was best to be safe. Through 10 different videos, Whitney takes her audience through the process of getting a nose job at 18. This is what initially brought her the onset of fame, and no matter what bruises were on her face, she smiled more and more in each video. Mm, something's weird in this paragraph. You're setting me up for something's weird. But I don't think it's weird to wear a mask in a doctor's office. It's a minor a detail. Well, you know, for plastic surgeons in a consultation. Yeah, but I don't, you, you're, there's gonna, there's something there. I smell it. <laughs> Friends and family of Whitney's security were worried about her behavior, as this was not the only consultation with Dr. Sersenox. This is confirmed by the bookings that were made for her. She talked about the surgeon not as though she were a personal friend of hers, but as though she were a godsend for doing this to her. Her family would notice small changes in her personality and appearance as time continued. Some of the surgeries that she got, she would put online, and those that knew her said that there were twice as many off-camera. She dropped out of college to focus her time on a job to sustain this newfound love of going under the knife. But cosmetic surgeries are not cheap, especially not with life expenses in America. Her friends state that when she really began struggling with money, she would not stop going in for consultations, appearing with new surgeries done, ones that they knew that she couldn't afford. When asked, Whitney allegedly responded that she had a discount. She was said not to have gone into further detail to many other people except for one, Casey Cleon, her roommate. I have a theory. Okay. Should I express my theory now? Yeah, or go I for wait? it. Go for it. I think that clearly she's doing something for the doctor if the doctor is giving her these surgeries for way cheap or free. I think there's some organ trafficking going on here or something. I think they're really? scraping bone marrow or plucking out a kidney for like a big surgery or something. Wow. I think that's what's happening. That's my guess. Okay. Submitted in. I've pressed my buzzer. Okay. I like it. What is organ trafficking? <laughs> I thought you were asking me that as a question. <laughs> I was like, um, do I, I have making to a explain? reference to a an unnamed game show that we respect and advertise for free <laughs> without saying its name. So they don't need to sue us. Exactly. Casey Cleon, 19, had known Whitney Security since high school. She moved in with Whitney after her parents kicked her out for coming out as trans to them. 
She was cut off financially, emotionally, physically, with nothing but a suitcase. Whitney, statement. who had dropped... Statement. If you're not willing to love and support your child, no matter what gender they identify with, you shouldn't be having children. Cheers. Furthermore, if you are going to have a child, you need to be okay with them being trans, gay, or disabled. No. Whitney, who had dropped out, offered her a place to stay, and the two became housemates not long after. She didn't often appear on Whitney's social platforms, as she expressed numerous times that she didn't want people to judge her for her point in transition. New statement. Any point in transition is valid. Trans people do not have to pass for cis people. Agreed. Also, transitioning is valid. Completely. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That was the shortest TED Talk ever. (laughs) (laughs) TED Talk, but it's you very walk to on the this point. page, say about uh, four sentences, and then walk off. TED Talk, but if you don't understand when I say it, you don't deserve to have it explained to you. You just exactly should shut up. Whitney understood this and agreed without much question. Still, she ended up being shown a few times, though she does say that this was with her consent. Unfortunately, Casey was forced to drop out of college due to the financial strain that it caused her. She took on a job as a bartender at a nearby bar, but struggled with the grief and anxiety that came with being misgendered. It served as a reminder to her, and as she was still fighting to grieve the loss of her family and life that she had planned for herself, reached out to the National Suicide Hotline. Whitney overheard some of this conversation. She later pulled Casey aside and asked if her receiving cosmetic surgery would help her. She agreed, but stated that she didn't have the savings to find a reputable doctor. Whitney told her that she knew one, and she took her to see Dr. Sersenox. Ooh, I don't like where this is going. I feel very uneasy about this whole thing. (laughs) Okay, go on. Casey did nothing but praise Dr. Sersenox in her testimony, and avidly believes that Dr. Sersenox did not kill Whitney. She says that Whitney trusted her with her life, with her friends, and most importantly, with her beauty, which was not something that she treated lightly. She continues to harp on how generous Dr. Sersenox had been upon meeting Casey. She was polite, respectful, and excited to help her. When her financial situation was brought up, Dr. Sersenox claimed to have a discount set aside that would make surgery much more affordable for her, along with paths that she could take in surgery that would lessen the price. I don't like that idea. I think if my doctor was like, oh, well, we can just do something while we are in surgery to make it a little cheaper. Like, we'll just, like, give you a downgraded surgery. Like... If I'm going to do surgery, I'm going to pay the full thing and get the proper surgery. Don't take any shortcuts. Give me all the stitches. (laughs) She told her that she would have to trust her more than if she gave her a cut and dry way to operate, but she could absolutely get it to something affordable. After... I can't make that noise. (laughs) There we go. Okay, Mm -hmm. I did it. After discussing prices, Dr. Sersenox told her that she would work on seeing what she could do. Casey received a call a few days later, and surely enough, it had dropped the price enough for Casey to be able to afford the surgery and spent her savings on achieving it. Though initial visits were not recorded on camera. Mind you, these were recorded in documentation. Medical records, yes. Yes. The process of Casey getting her gender-affirming care was monetized through Whitney's social media platforms with her consent. When asked about what trusting her meant, Casey was unable to provide an answer. 
When Dr. Sersonox was questioned, she responded as such. In this scenario, Miss Cleon's surgery was life-saving. She needed something quickly. I can always put her back under later in life, but she needs to live her life in order to do that. As to what I mean with trust, I can alter the way that I do the surgery as well as contributing some of my own time and resources, but these shortcuts would need to allow room for my own creative directive. I make my clients sign waivers to acknowledge this when this is the case, in which both Miss Cleon and Miss Security did. Client satisfaction is one of my highest priorities, second to their safety. As demonstrated by Miss Cleon as well as Miss Security, they were not unsatisfied with their procedures. Had I been insecure in my abilities to get any client to a more desirable state, they would not have been on my table. Her practice being called into question in a case regarding someone that died on her table is not abnormal, especially under the consideration that she was well documented to do so. However, this case didn't seem to be one as cut and dry as many believed it to be. Whitney's death was a piece in a much larger puzzle in relation to Dr. Sersenox. Lawyers continued to question her methodology as to what a shortcut with her own creative direction entailed. I was questioning that, too. Yeah, me, t- me three. She did provide an answer, but she left gaps out of the process, as she claimed that being able to provide this service was unique to her, and she would not give away all of her industry secrets. She claimed that this was heightened by the fact that Whitney's followers were following the case, so it would not be lost in court records, but out in the public for all of her competitors to use. No matter what allegations were against her, she did have a business to maintain, and it was one that she was all too proud of to let slip through her fingers as easily as Whitney's life did. She didn't say that. That's just me being creative. It's my creative directive. (laughs) Is it a shortcut? It is a shortcut. Shortcut under your creative directive? A shortcut to my creative directive, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not getting paid, so. It doesn't kill anybody. Yeah, yeah. Real, Only fictional people. Yeah. <laughs> Speculations came out that this was to cover up that there was nothing different about the surgery, it's just how much she was pricing for each one. However, others defended her harshly as she was providing care for those that needed it. She was being charitable and acting in the interest of the public health around her. She had already shown disdain for the medical system that she operated in, so it was no secret, simply a surprise, that she would take action. The prosecution lawyer pressed neither of these speculations. She brought up evidence to argue that her intentions were not pure nor charitable, but inherently selfish. After Dr. Susanax was arrested for potentially murdering Whitney Securney, there was public press on the case instantaneously. With the images and videos of Whitney at the end of her life, people began to comment on her features that Dr. Susanax had made changes to. One woman posted side-by-side pictures of herself and Whitney, and the features that they had gotten changed were nearly identical. Other women began to come forward with these same features, also having gotten operated on by Dr. Sersenox. All of the features in which they had altered looked eerily similar to Dr. Sersenox herself. In fact, those with more work done on them looked nearly identical to their doctors in terms of features and in turn of each other. Those with the most work done, with the same hair color as Dr. Sersenox, could easily be mistaken for her sibling. There were 32 women that showed their faces for this, all claiming to have received the recommendation by Dr. Sersenox. Not all of them got the fabled discount, but a shocking 24 of them did. That's creepy. So, well done you, but that is creepy. <laughs> You've got 32 uh, Dr. Sersenoxes walking around. Yay. <laughs> Yippee. Dr. Sersenox's lawyer stated that this was not relevant to the case. 
This was a coincidence, and not an odd one at that. Dr. Daffodil Sersenox was a beautiful woman who adhered to this beauty standard set in place. This was not an opinion, but a fact stated by many, many people. Her features were absolutely what people would think of when thinking about what they would want to alter on themselves. To imply that she was making people look like herself was absurd because most of these women wanted to look like her. She wasn't wrong for this. She had used creative liberties, and these women were happy with this cookie-cutter style of surgery, and only some were upset with how similar they looked to others, or that they may have been modeled after their surgeon. If these women wanted to fit into the beauty mold and that was something that the surgeon had naturally, that was not the fault of the surgeon. This held valor in regards to her medical license, as she was not going against her patient's wishes, but it leaned into the point made by the prosecution lawyer. Let me remind you of the first thing we heard about Whitney Security. She was addicted to the thought of being pretty. She was growing more fond of who she was becoming, but she always felt as though she was just a little bit off. There was always a new standard to reach, something that could be slightly altered to make her better. She always needed more, and there was only so much that was safe to get. Allegedly, she had gotten work done by a back alley surgeon, which altered how much she looked like Dr. Sersenox. For obvious reasons, she wouldn't have informed her primary plastic surgeon about this new surgery. Though there is um, little rec- Not to be stupid, but what are those obvious reasons? Because you went to an illegal surgeon? Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, now they are obvious. Now I see them. Oh. Right. Back out. Right. Yeah, so most right. of them aren't doctors. Most of them are dangerous and can kill you. Yeah, don't do that. But if you I are thought- thinking of getting a back alley surgery, let me tell you, I've done a lot of research on them for this particular episode. Don't Some of them are okay, but then they end up making you permanently not disfigured, but they will. F- Some of them have frozen muscles and made it more difficult to move. Some of them, if they enter the bloodstream, can go to your heart and kill you. They can cause long-term heart problems. They can cause long-term muscle problems. So, yeah, definitely just splurge on the real thing. I know someone who went to Mexico to get their teeth bleached because the procedure was illegal in the United States. And they overdid it and they had blindingly white teeth to the point where you're like, what the fuck is that? For a while until they started to like change color back to something more normal. And it takes forever for them to do that. It's it not illegal where Years. I live. And I also live in the um, United States, but I got it done maybe six years ago. And mm. man, my teeth are still white as hell. You have lovely teeth. <laughs> Thank you. That's to be weird. Well, I get you made fun of for my teeth a lot. It's so weird whenever I'm on like some unnamed app that I happen to have some followers on. One of the most popular hate comments that I'll get is on my teeth. That's so stupid. You have nice It's very teeth. obscure. It's either like, I like your Jesus, teeth. he if is I your lord and savior. If I could swap teeth with you, I would. Oh. I'm sorry. Awesome, that I've got my next episode. The, the teeth swapper. The teeth no, swapper. Actually, 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 stay tuned. The next episode is our Christmas special. Is it? Oh, it totally is. I forget is. that we're so close to Christmas. Should I keep going, or do we want to keep talking about the teeth oh, swapper? I think we're done talking about the teeth swapper. Okay. okay. You have nice teeth. That's the point. Oh, no, the point was don't go to back alley surgeons. Trust a professional with your body. Yeah. That came off a little bit too sexual. <laughs> if, if you want to do thing, that, go to Amsterdam. 
there's just there's some things that you should you should not take the, the cheap route on, and that is surgery. <laughs> um, there's other things <laughs> like not surgery. Not surgery. All right. Though there is little record as to how the visit went, there are some obvious conclusions that one could come to. When she had come in for her last visit before her liposuction, Dr. Sersenox would have noticed this new development as the injection that she had gotten was close to her operating site. She noted that there was evidence of having a new surgery done, but the patient continuously denied it, and there seemed to be no reason not to go through with the liposuction that they had scheduled. Whitney's housemate, Casey, says that Whitney complained to Dr. Sersenox was in a slightly upset mood that day, which supports this. Maybe she was jealous. Whitney Securney died during her stomach liposuction due to a puncture in her intestines, and her autopsy reports that she was also suffering from heart issues that may have led to this early death as well. A nurse that was close to Dr. Sersenox claimed that there was absolutely no way this was a mistake. She had done the procedure hundreds of times, if not thousands, and was all too familiar with not only the procedure, but with Whitney Securney. She had, very literally, seen the ins and outs of her, and was never gross. underprepared for a surgery. What? I said gross. Okay. <laughs> he says that she was unusually calm upon the puncture to her intestines and did not act with much urgency. Fellow surgeons, however, claim that this was a completely normal reaction for her to have, as she reacted similarly in her residency. Her character witnesses claim the same, as she had always been calm and collected under pressure. They say it had saved them from various different accidents. Her sister regards it as abnormal for her, as she had never liked to fail at anything. However, she is not the most accurate portrayal of character for her sister, as she had stated. With the evidence stated, the public comparing the faces to everyone she had ever given surgery to, at Whitney's funeral carried through, a verdict had been reached. Dr. Daphnil Sersenox was found innocent of the charge of murder on Whitney's security to any degree. She walked free the next day, maintained her medical license, and returned to her life as per usual. She still sparked plenty of debate online, but became wildly popular because of this. Social media pages opened, cutely titled Sisters of Sersenox, in which they talked about their experiences with her, as well as compared their work. Not all of these women looked like Dr. Sersenox, but those that did seemed to become friends with the realization that they looked so similar and shared a surgeon. Through the accusation of murder, Dr. Sersenox continues to practice. There are plenty of people that still spin on the case, though. Like me. Sure, making a bunch of women desperate for beauty look like you is not illegal, but surely it was immoral, and someone should make it illegal. Some of the public disagree that she was innocent all along and believe that she killed Whitney for betraying her services and making her more individualistic. Others believe that she should not have done such a thing to a loyal client as it served her nothing at the end of the day. But what do you think? Did she really make legal, physical clones of herself, leaving them to walk around, unaware that they looked exactly like her? Or was this all a coincidence? Did she kill Whitney Securney on her table? Was it the back alley surgery that did it? If beauty is pain, should we be willing to commit to it? Send in your theories, comments, questions, and suggestions to untruecrimethepodcast at gmail.com, all lowercase for a chance to be featured at the end of the season Q&A episode. Thank you for listening, and goodbye! Bye!